the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, everyone. I'm George Roska. And I'm Mark Schneider. And we want to welcome you to today's episode 26 of Say What, where we talk about the threats to our children in the public school system, including the corruption of language in our public schools. That's right, George. You know, for the public schools to advance their worldview, the meaning of words themselves have to be changed. And this is especially true when it comes to advancing comprehensive sexuality education, or what we refer to simply as the SOGI worldview, sexual orientation, gender identity. And recently, we've reviewed an article um, that was written by a friend of ours, uh, Professor Ryan Anderson, that came out uh, a few years ago, um, uh, February of, of 2018. This is the author of the book, When Harry Became Sally, which, by the way, I think Amazon, Amazon banned uh, from their book collection because it was so controversial. Yeah, that was earlier this year. And in fact, uh, you know, we, we don't, you know, we, I don't think we like often put out books for our, our listeners and even in our conferences. Right. But I think there are a just a handful of books that we constantly reference over and over. And for me, this book, uh, When Harry Became Sally, was a game changer in understanding the entire transgender issue, its movement, its implication in just you know life, politics, policies, school system. Um, and so... Parents, I, we highly recommend you get your hands on this book and you read through it. We, we do indeed. In fact, anything that Ryan Anderson writes would be helpful for parents to uh, be familiar with. And this article was entitled, Transgender Ideology is Riddled with Contradiction. So we're going to sort of parse through um, some of the insights that um, he pointed out in this article, um, and we'll, we'll see how far we can get with this. But I, I think to start off with, you know, people have heard this term postmodernism. Mm. You know, what is that? We live in a postmodern age. Well, basically, it, it's the idea that truth is subjective. It's, it's relative. It's a function of your situational ethics, uh, you know, the, what you believe, and it's informed by what are, what are called meta-narratives, you know, the big story at work in society and in people's lives. So, but postmodernism promotes an alternative worldview. It, it really gets into metaphysics. It mm-hmm. can't be proven, right? It's just people's personal opinions. Yep. And that, that includes, and a byproduct of the postmodern age is the Soji worldview. Here's the central claim, according to Ryan Anderson, of the Soji worldview. I am who I claim to be. And you must claim it too my personal identity. Mm-hmm. I am who I claim to be. But this is an ontological claim. Ont- ontology studies the nature of reality, the mm-hmm. nature of being. 
But the public schools refuse to debate these deeper philosophical concepts, and the Soji worldview is pregnant with them. So what do they do? They dress up their beliefs, their ideologies, with psychological and medical terms and academic terms to give them credibility. The question is, are they really credible? I completely agree, Mark. I think this is uh, one of the biggest things that if we could help parents give them a hint for when they're reading through this stuff is just think a little bit deeper. Everything about the Soji worldview or about the postmodern worldview is strictly skin deep. That's it. Surface At, deep. Surface deep. As, as, as soon as you go beneath that, it is what I've heard other people say uh, this way. Uh, they are firmly planted with their feet in the air. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, let's talk about some examples. I mean, one obvious one is the shift in language to, from one's physical sex, their biological sex, to this new term, gender. You hardly hear the word physical sex anymore. It, it's all about gender and gender identity. Well, gender used to refer to the sexual characteristics and expression of one's biology. In fact, I looked at the Oxford Dictionary um, that, you know, is one of the the reference works for defining words in the English language. And it defined gender as males or females viewed as a group, the property or fact of belonging to one of these groups. Here's an example. The gender of the group was female, or the gender of the group was male. Mm. It's another descriptor for one's biology. But now gender has become a descriptor for one's sexual, social, or legal status. Mm -hmm. It's taken on its own importance. And one of the organizations that has been behind this shift in definitions and emphasis, of course, is... Planned Parenthood. They're always lurking in the background someplace. So I thought it would be helpful to look at their definitions for some important words like sex, gender, and gender identity. So let's take, how do they define sex? Here's their definition. Quote, sex is a label, Hmm. meaning meaning a fiction, right? Mm -hmm. Male or female that you are assigned by a doctor at birth based on the genitals you're born with and the chromosomes you have. It goes on your birth certificate. This is laughable. (laughs) That's what sex is. Only in California, George, as we know, you can have it changed if you want to. We now have laws on the books that if you don't like the sex that was assigned you at birth, you can go to the DMV and choose the one that you want. Uh, but how do you change it in reality with your chromosomes? That, that's the question. In fact, um, uh, as we've talked about before, kids in kindergarten now are learning Planned Parenthood's definition of some of these terms. For example, there's that kindergarten book, Who Are You? Mm-hmm. And you remember it in the opening pages, and it's a... It's a cartoon book, and it shows a picture of a baby in a crib. And this is a paraphrase, but basically it says, parents make a guess about their child's gender by looking at their body parts, Yep. which means it's just a guess. It's not fixed. 
in reality. It's just completely arbitrary. Incredible. So how does Planned Parenthood define gender? Well, gender is a little more complex, according to Planned Parenthood. It's a social or legal status, a set of expectations from society about behaviors, characteristics, and thoughts. And then finally, gender identity, Planned Parenthood defines as how you feel inside and how you express your gender through clothing, behavior, and personal appearance. It's a feeling that begins very early in life. Hmm. So that the conclusion seems to be, George, gender and gender identity, one's feelings are more real and meaningful than objective biology. Yeah. Yeah. And and parents, once again, these concepts are allowed to be taught from kindergarten. And you can see that by going to the California Department of Education's website and just read through their health framework. If you just Google that, you will see the chapters dealing with K through third grade, fourth through sixth grade, seventh through eighth grade, ninth through twelfth grade. They are separate chapters for each. These concepts are in every one of those chapters. They are. They are. It's it, it's replete with the, this new terminology. So the the term physical sex now sex now has been sort of neutered for the term gender. Gender is now the operative term that kids are learning about in school. But even physical sex, when it is mentioned, is always an assigned. It mm-hmm. doesn't really exist in reality. Your physical sense, since it's merely assigned, may not be your real sex, according to Planned Parenthood. Again, assigned sex is a label that you're given at birth based on medical factors, including your hormones, chromosomes, and genitals. Most people are assigned male or female. And this is what's put on their birth certificate. Some people, and this is a quote, call the sex were assigned at birth biological sex. But this term doesn't fully capture the complex biological, anatomical, and chromosomal variations that can occur. Having only two options, male or female, might not describe what's going on inside a person's body. And so, parents, one of the things with this definition here in particular that Planned Parenthood's trying to get at is that biological sex is not binary, and they are going to use the intersex category as an example for even in biology that we are on a spectrum. That's right. So, uh, parents, I highly encourage you to go to the American College of Pediatricians, and they have some really good scientific, medically-based articles on what is intersex and how Planned Parenthood's claims are ludicrous when it comes to the actual science uh, behind it. Make sure they go to the American College. College. Not not the American Academy. Academy. That that would be the the wrong choice. But uh, talking about uh, the official medical organizations, the American Psychological Organization now is fully on board with Planned Parenthood's definitions for, for some of these terms. This is a quote. 
from the APA. Transgender is an umbrella term for persons whose gender identity, gender expression, or behavior does not conform to that typically associated with the sex to which they were assigned at birth. It's not real. It's just an assignment. So if a girl who's more of a tomboy likes playing with trucks and maybe wears overalls, you know, back in the 50s and the 60s, they just didn't know it back then, but she was a transgender. Yeah, exactly. Here's something interesting, George. Back in 2005, so what, that's 16 years ago, even the Human Rights Campaign, which is a very leftist organization, even they referred to birth sex and physical sex. But the, but the phrase sex assigned at birth is now favored because it makes room for gender identity as the real basis for one's sex. Mm-hmm. That, that's what really counts. So this now gender and gender identity are, are now the lingua franca of the entire medical community. And I'm going to quote now from Ryan Anderson's article. He states, Quote, in an expert declaration to a federal district court in North Carolina, Dr. Deanna Adkins stated, quote, from a medical perspective, the appropriate determinant of sex is gender identity. Now, this is a what? Yeah, this is a professor at Duke University School of Medicine and the director of the Duke Center for Child and Adolescent Gender Care, which opened in 2015. Now, that's quite a statement. It's a statement made for the truth of the matter asserted, right? Ryan goes on to to say, quote, Adkins argues that gender identity is not only the preferred basis for determining sex, but, quote, the only medically supported determinant of sex. Every other method is bad science, she claims. It is counter to medical science to use chromosomes, hormones, internal reproductive organs, external genitalia, or secondary sex characteristics to override gender identity for purposes of classifying someone as male or female. Wow. Wow. Um, You were mentioning the Duke Center for Child and Adolescent Gender Care, one of the first thoughts that came to my mind, Mark, was if parents just go back in the last five years and then go back 10 years and go back 15 years and just go to see how many gender care facilities or practices were around, you'll see that somewhere around from the 10-year mark ago to the five-year mark ago uh, is when they just started exploding in numbers and then you have to ask yourself, well, who has the money to open up these kind of things, right? Because they, they're businesses for profit. And then when you trace the money, you'll see that there is a handful of billionaires who are behind a lot of these. Mm. And in fact, there's an article out there for parents that usually comes up every, like, I don't know, three, four months out there. I think it was done by The Federalist, um, saying, and it was titled... The rich white billionaire, men billionaires behind the transgender movement. This is a multi-billion dollar industry, and it's being um, encouraged by the California legislature here. As we talked about last week, George, uh, Governor Newsom just signed uh, Assembly Bill 1184, uh, which 
makes it illegal for an insurance company providing these kinds of gender identity medical services to a minor to inform the parents of the medical services being rendered. Wow. So all of these groups now are working together to corrupt the minds of our children and, by extension, our society. Mm-hmm. Um, language corruption. So we went from gender being a characteristic of your biological sex to a social construct to now a medical reality, right? Biological sex is not real. It's what you feel is, is real. Mm-hmm. That's the American Psychological Association and now members of the American Medical Association are saying the same thing. So that now gender identity is your true identity while biological sex is just merely a social construct. But as Ryan Anderson likes to point out, but what exactly is this gender identity that is supposed to be the true medical determinant of sex? Adkins defines it as a person's inner sense of belonging to a particular gender, such as male or female. But note that little phrase, such as, implying that the options are not necessarily limited to male or female. Other activists are more forthcoming in admitting that gender identity need not be restricted to the binary choice of male or female, but can include both or neither. The American Psychological Association, for example, defines gender identity as a person's internal sense of being male, female, or something else. They have lost their marbles. You you can't make this stuff up. There has to be some deeper design behind this, George. And it would be it would be laughable. It would be funny. It'd be almost hysterical, were it not for the fact that our kids mm-hmm. are being indoctrinated with these concepts starting in kindergarten. Like any medical professional twenty years ago, I think, would have balked at any of this. This is just crazy, ludicrous, it's pseudoscience. And yet here we are driving, you know, being driven by an ideological, you know, agenda. Yes. And um, for for me, I'm constantly thinking to how this uh, world, the Soji worldview and ideology is being pushed down and, and they're being so strategic. They're now taking the reins of the American Psychological Association, different other medical associations like the American Academy of Pediatricians. Uh, And so you look at all of these organizations, they're just being completely taken over by these kind of activists. That's right. And, you know, it used to be that they depended on the word science to, to make these claims. You don't hear that term so much anymore. Um, because obviously none of this can be based on science. There's no Mm -hmm. long-term studies. There's no empirical data that you can point to to say that gender is the determinant of one's biological sex. It's just an an oxymoron. And this is part of the corruption of our Western civilization. You know, um, the inventor of the scientific method was Francis Bacon. goes back to the 17th century. And uh, Bacon said, you know, the, the scientific method is one where we put forth a hypothesis, 
and then we study empirical data. We measure data to see if the data fits the hypothesis that we put forward. And if it doesn't, then we have to review the data again and, and redo our experiments until the data and our theory come, until it matches, <laughs> until it comes into synchrony. There's no way, George, you can apply the scientific method to any of these new concepts that the APA and AMA are, have now totally bought into. But this degree of objectivity, Mark, is just a, you know, uh, I guess, a, a byproduct of white supremacy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. That's the other component of it, yeah, isn't it? because critical race theory comes into play now, even in these gendered terms. And anytime you want to be objective, uh, the the CRT activists will come at you and, and, and call you a racist uh, and that you're a, a white supremacist because uh, objectivity is a construct of the white race. We're laughing about this, but George, as you know, this is absolutely true what you're saying. This is yep. part of the critical race theory movement is to teach that objectivity itself is a function of cis-heteropatriarchy. Mm-hmm. And so that that's why you have now all of these medical professionals and psychologists who who have bought into the critical theory ideology and worldview. And so now when they're practicing their, you know, psychology, their pedi- pediatrics, their whatever, they're making ethical and yes. moral decisions. That's right, with real-life consequences. With real-life consequences that are... Uh, informed by their worldview and not by science. Yes. Yeah, and this is obviously being pushed down into the lowest levels of uh, of elementary school, starting kindergarten. We've often referred to the gender-bred person as being one of the primary tools that people that are pushing comprehensive sexuality education are using to foment these ideas in the minds of our children that your gender identity, that your sexual expression, that even your biological sex exists along a spectrum. Mm-hmm. It's not fixed in time. So, George, over the course of hours and weeks and months and years, what chance does a child have to exercise their own critical thinking when authority figures in the public schools backed up by the American Psychological Association, the American Medical Association, the politicians in states around the company are all conveying the same message, that objective truth does not exist. You are what you feel. Yeah, it, it's minimal. I mean, if we as parents are are hitting our heads against the walls when we go to school board meetings and we're expecting, you know, sometimes the PhDs behind those desks, you know, that are school board members or the superintendent of the school district to grasp these very basic concepts. I mean, our children arguing with their teachers is, is going to do uh, little to no good. Um, so I know, Mark, we're running here uh, short on time, but we'll we'll wrap it up for this episode. Um, but we want to just throw out there a couple important things. Uh, please visit our website at www.protectourkidsnow.org. We have a lot of information on our brochures, uh, an evidence package that deals in detail with these things. And also, this is a two-part episode. Uh, this is We're right now on episode 26, but next week, episode 27, we're going to continue right here where we left off uh, with this uh, 
language that's being you know perverted uh, for our children. And we're going to start off with the genderbred person, and we'll show you from kindergarten exactly what is going on. Yeah. Stay tuned. Uh, until next week, thank you for joining us for Say What? Take care. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 